0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 12, how a famine drives Abraham into Egypt and how he is suddenly overcome with fear and leaning unto his own understanding in trying to protect his wife, Sarah. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, will begin with our Bible teaching for a Friday in just a moment. Now, we'd like to encourage you to go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, if you'd like to donate and support this Bible teaching radio program, and also our Jewish Evangelism Outreach Ministry with Israel Restoration Ministries. Tom Cantor is a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and as a Jewish Christian, wants to reach lost Jewish people. He wants to encourage you to reach the lost Jewish people around you by being an Israel Restoration Ministries volunteer. You can work directly with us, or we can just give you gospel materials so that you can take them and bring them to the lost Jewish people around you. In fact, we had someone call this morning that was interested in reaching lost Jewish people all the way down in the nation of Belize, and there are Jewish people around the entire world in small pockets and corners and everywhere, not just in major Jewish cities, but All over this nation and all over the world, and this person has a heart to reach 250 Jewish people, lost Jewish people, in her area of Belize that are there as vacationers, business owners, and people. So we're going to help her by supporting her with sending gospel gifts and materials that she can deliver right to those Jewish people so that they can make a free will decision to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior with this information. We give them frequently asked questions by Jewish people, Tom Cantor's testimony in a written form and on a DVD, as well as prophecy fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, proving he is the Jewish Messiah. All those materials can be given to you to give to lost Jewish people if you will help us to reach lost Jewish people. Now, you can start by calling us at 800-247-3051, 800 247 Thirty fifty one, or fill out our online form with your information or your friend's information that's Jewish that you want to reach, that we can mail them information about Jesus being the Jewish Messiah. You can do that at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here is Tom Cantor teaching us today from Genesis chapter 12, how a famine drove Abraham into Egypt when he was overcome with fear while there trying to protect his wife, Sarah he might destroy him that had the power of the devil so in genesis 12 7
1: when god spoke to abraham for the first time about his seed and now you think about hebrews 2 14 where he took on him the seed of abraham that through death he might destroy him that had power of death who do you think was particularly interested in this first reference to the seed of abraham who do you think that might be the devil That pops his ears up, right? Because he took on him the seed of Abraham that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So Satan's listening very, very carefully when God said to Abraham, thy seed. He just heard his death warrant because God was gonna take on him the seed of Abraham and through death, he was gonna be destroyed. That's the power, that's the devil. So when God said to Abraham, thy seed, he was telling Abraham that, number one, he would have a seed. And when the devil heard about Abraham's seed, and he just didn't hear about, you know, somebody who was infertile going to have a baby. This, he heard about his destruction coming. So from this point on, what do you think the devil is going to try to do? Destroy. He's going to try to destroy the seed. He's going to try to stop the seed. He's going to try to spoil the seed. He's going to mount attack after attack after attack on the seed of abraham that's the key to understanding the whole of the old testament that's the key right there with these words unto thy seed we start one wave after another of attack on abraham's seed and that's what the old testament is it's a it's a record of one wave of attack after another the whole of the old testament is a history of the devil's attempt to stop the seed to spoil the seed That's why the book of Esther is so important. So before God said to Abraham, unto thy seed, it wasn't known which seed line God had chosen to take on to become a man that through death he might destroy the devil. It's just like Hitler in the invasion. Hitler knew that the invasion of Europe was coming, but he wasn't sure where. He thought it was in Calais. He wasn't sure where. But once God said, in genesis 12 7 unto thy seed it was now known that god was going to take on the seed of abraham and he was going to to destroy this was going to be the seed of the woman which he would take on that through death he would destroy the devil once hitler knew that it was going to be normandy beach then he focused all of his powers and wave after wave of bombers and tanks and troops and etc now that describes What's going on for the rest of the history of the Old Testament? So we can stop now and say we know the Bible, right? <laughs> it's one attack after another on Abraham's seed. Just as uh Hitler knew. If he allowed that invasion to happen in Normandy, he would be destroyed. So from Genesis 12, 7, Satan now knows that if he allows the seed of Abraham to go forward, he's going to be destroyed. And that was a promise that God made to Abraham. That involved a seed. That's why it's so important. So what we're going to see next in the history of Abraham in Egypt is the first attack on the seed of Abraham. Spoil the seed. Stop the seed. Because when God said unto thy seed, this is God who also said about the man and the woman, the two shall be one flesh. So when he was saying thy seed, he was saying Abraham and Sarah I see as one flesh. So when I make this promise to Abraham, I'm talking about Abraham's one flesh with his wife, Sarah. So it may appear on the surface, as we read this, that when we read the history here in Genesis 12, that we're just reading about a particular weakness of Abraham being in the wrong place at the wrong time for Sarah. But there's much more that's happening here, because this is, like I said, the first of the many attacks on the seed of Abraham. This is an attack of the devil on the purpose of God, to destroy the devil. So with this in view, now we see this in a different light as we look at this history of what happened to Abraham in Egypt. So now we see in verses 9 and 10, back in Genesis, we see in verses 9 and 10 that there was this terrible famine. And so it was either the Canaanite or the famine that caused Abraham to keep on moving south, verse 9. And we see in verse 10 that the famine was severe. The famine was grievous in the land. And now all of a sudden, in verse 11... In 12 we see as Abraham is about to come into Egypt that he has this strange gripping fear that comes over him an inexplainable fear. Abraham has a whole scenario worked out and it's so definite the way he described it in this scenario. He's never been to Egypt but he's in terror over what's going to happen to him in Egypt. And he describes to Sarah with such definite things that there's not, you know, maybe or nothing like that. So Sarah was evidently a very beautiful woman. And that was not only Abraham's view, but the Egyptians shared that view as well. And Abraham's fear has become so detailed and so exact of what is going to happen that he tells Sarah, it's going to happen in verse 11. When he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said to Sarah, Behold, now I know there are a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass. Not at me, but it shall. It will, 100%. When the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me and save you alive. So Abraham explains to Sarah that she's very beautiful, and that's a massive problem, right? (laughs) Don't make a pretty woman your wife, right? (laughs) If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, you want to live the rest of your life, don't make a pretty woman your wife. Anyway, so he tells Sarah... Exactly, step by step, what's going to happen. Step one, he says to Sarah, the Egyptians will see you. Step two, they'll see you as my wife. Step three, they will kill me. <laughs> step four, they'll save you alive. It's just amazing how assured Abraham is at this point of exactly what's going to happen. There's no question in his mind. He's describing it that way. He's got it all worked out. There's no maybes or perhaps about it. He's telling. Sarah, it's gonna happen. One, two, three, four. That's it. He's sure this is gonna happen because he can't think. Abraham can't think. Abraham is paralyzed with fear. He's afraid of being killed by the Egyptians. Maybe the Canaanites made him afraid. I don't know. Maybe, but he's just terrorized with being killed. And what we see here in Abraham shows us a truth. And turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy 1:7 to see this. 2 Timothy. 1 7 because this is a perfect example here of this verse 2nd uh, timothy 1 7 so this verse in 2nd timothy 1 7 is where paul the great discipler the great father the spiritual father of timothy is telling his timothy what he will find very useful in life as a principle and he says he's saying to him like this is timothy i want you to understand god hath not given that's an important word us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind now what we see in abraham is the spirit of fear and this verse tells us that the spirit of fear was not given by god as a matter of fact we know where this spirit of fear came from the spirit of fear comes from the devil so the devil has given to Abraham the spirit of fear. Now this verse in 2 Timothy 1.7 says that not only that God has not given the spirit of, of fear, but God has given instead a spirit of three things. First, is He given us, as opposed to the spirit of fear, the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. So Abraham has a choice. Either he could accept or reject what God wanted to give, or he could accept or reject what the devil was giving him, which was a spirit of fear. Unfortunately, he took what the devil was offering, the spirit
0: of fear. We'll continue studying the Bible here on a Friday with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In just a moment, on Friendship with God, this Bible teaching radio program is here to help encourage and exhort you to do more for the Lord Jesus Christ and grow in your relationship with Him. And One of the ways that Tom Cantor does that is providing some free information at our websites that you can download, watch, view, study, and grow in your friendship with God. We also have an online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org that you can go to and get plenty of Tom Cantor's materials as well as other materials from his creation bookstore. It'll help you with your understanding of science from a biblical perspective and the creation account also from a biblical perspective. Hundreds of materials all available at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Just click on resources and Tom Cantor's materials, or you can visit our Creation Museum website, at creationsd.org.
1: Now let's look at what happened to Abraham as a result of not resisting the spirit of fear, and see what as example. So we see this: what happens typically when the spirit of fear is accepted. Number one, Abraham had no spirit of power; he forfeited that. He had discovered the source of his power, he built an altar to memora- mem- memorialize the source of his power. The source of Abraham's power was that he called, he learned how to call on the name of the Lord, as he did in verse 8. But when Abraham did not resist the spirit of fear, there's no mention at all, to Sarah or anywhere here, of Abraham calling on the name of the Lord for protection from who he feared. He feared the Egyptians were going to kill him. There's no mention about him calling on the name of the Lord for protection. Why? Because he lost the spirit of power. He lost, he had no power. Second, Abraham had no spirit of love. He had promised, this his wife Sarah, he promised to love his wife, but Abraham did not resist the spirit of fear, so he lost the spirit of love. So now he is putting Sarah at great risk He's endangering Sarah to be defiled by another man in some harem, he, harem he's pushing her into adultery he has no spirit of love for his wife he has he's lost the spirit of love he, he's so far from Ephesians 5:25 where we read husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it Abraham's not about to give himself for Sarah And Sarah has taken very careful note of that. And Christ died for the church, and so Abraham should have said, I'll die to protect you from that moral defilement. But by not resisting the spirit of fear, Abraham lost the spirit of love for his wife. And then third, Abraham had no spirit of a sound mind. When Abraham did not resist the spirit of fear, Abraham lost the spirit of a sound mind. Now how would the sound mind have helped Abraham at this point? Well, with the sound mind, Abraham could have thought that he would have resisting the spirit of fear. He would have thought to himself that, why am I afraid of being killed? God just told me that he's about to give me seed. I can't have seed if I'm dead. (laughs) Very smart. Anyway, (laughs) I don't have any seed yet, so I can't be killed by the Egyptians if God is going to perform his word. If God's going to make good on his promise, they can't kill me till I have seed. So, Sarah, let's not have babies for a while. No, no, that's not what he said. So this spirit of fear of being killed is against the promise of God. It's against what God said. God said unto thy seed, I don't have any we don't have any seed, so they can't kill me, I'm indestructible, because that's a spirit of a sound mind. That's right thinking. But Abraham caved in, to the spirit of fear and he forfeited his right thinking and his sound mind a sound mind will always say to the spirit of fear but god you notice how everything he says to sarah if you are on out the rest of the chapter abraham never mentions the name god god is just absent from all of his vocabulary and everything he never does that abraham has turned away from his commitment a building altar, on calling on the name of the Lord when he's in trouble. There's a phrase that couples together with calling on the name of the Lord or prayer that David used in the Psalms five times to exactly describe what Abraham was going through, what Abraham should have done. And that's the term, the day of trouble, the day of trouble. David taught that the day of trouble was a day of choice, to either call on the name of the Lord, or I'll handle it myself. And David, David prayed for others in the day of their trouble, in Psalm 20, verse 1, where he prays, The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble, the name of the God of Jacob defend thee. So David here is praying for others, that was their praying in the day of trouble, that God would hear them and defend them, and the name of the Lord that he's calling on to defend them is the God of Jacob. And God spoke through David also on what to do in the day of trouble when he said in Psalm 50, verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and answer, and thou shalt glorify me. So God said, here's the day of trouble as an opportunity. You have an opportunity to call on me. Then you have an opportunity to prove my promise to be delivered. And then you have an opportunity for that, be going beyond that, to glorify God. In Psalm 59:16, David said, "I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of the mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of trouble." So David had a song about God's power and mercy because he had been his defense and refuge in the day of trouble. And then it says in Psalm 77:2, "In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord; my sore ran in the night." So instead of doing what Abraham did, leaning on his own understanding, that's what Abraham did, he leaned on his own understanding, David sought the Lord in the day of his trouble. In Psalm 86, 7, in the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. So David reaffirms to God that in the day of his trouble he's not going to do what Abraham did, he's going to call on God and he's confident that he'll hear. So if Abraham had called on the name of the Lord and told God that he was afraid of the Egyptians. This history would have been so different. Abraham would not have done damage. Abraham did damage with this. He damaged his relationship with Sarah. Because Abraham did not call on God, he came up with this terrible scheme to save his own neck. And Sarah thought to herself, well, I guess I know now that when the, when the rubber reaches the road, you know, I get thrown to the lions. Right? For Abraham, it's uh, you know, Abraham first, then women and children. You know, so I I guess we know now who's willing to lay down his life anyway. And then worse, you know, than that, so much, the others would say, in his caravan, in his group, so much for the power of God, of Abraham's God to protect those who want to do right and preserve marriage. Now, I know now that Abraham's just got religion. He doesn't have reality when it comes to trusting God in the day of trouble. So by not calling on God, by leaning to his own understanding... Abraham has just sent a message to God that he has no confidence at all in God's promise to give him children. He has no confidence in God to protect him to have children. He's damaged his marriage relationship with his wife. He's ruined his testimony before Sarah and the others like Eliezer who are watching him to see just how reliable is Abraham's God. He's plunged himself deeper into the spirit of fear, lost his love, lost his power, lost his sound mind. Apart from that, he's fine. (laughs) so now Abraham has this terrible scheme in verse 13 and we read about this he's at a crossroads but the crossroads that he's really come to you might like to turn to Proverbs 3 5 and 6 and consider it in relation to Abraham's situation right now in Proverbs 3 5 and 6 which says trust in the Lord with all thine heart lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him he shall direct thy paths be not wise in thine own eyes fear the lord depart from evil so either abraham is going to trust in the lord with all his heart to deliver him from the egyptians or abraham's going to lean to his own understanding come up with the scheme to deliver himself from the egyptians either abraham's going to acknowledge god that god is able and will protect him and he'll see god direct him or abraham's going to acknowledge himself that he's smart than the average bear when it comes to saving his skin and, he, and abraham's going to direct his own way Either Abraham's gonna say that he does not know what he's going to do, but he knows God, and he's gonna trust God for what to do. And one thing that's gonna be a non-negotiable for Abraham is he is he is not going to do something evil. He's going to depart from evil. Or Abraham's gonna say that the ends justify the means, and he's ready to compromise, and and you know, so maybe you don't have to depart from evil and I'll just project my wife into this moral defilement. So it would have been so much better for Abraham if he just had not leaned to his own understanding, but acknowledged God and seen him direct his past. But Abraham didn't do that, and it became very embarrassing. This whole thing, you can just label this the Abraham's great embarrassment. Very embarrassing. I can't help when I read a passage like this to remember about 25 years ago when Cheryl came with me on a business trip in Europe And so we rented a car up in Belgium, and we were driving from one diagnostic pharmaceutical company to another all over Europe, and it was springtime, and Europe was just ablaze with flowers. It was really beautiful. It was really time for vacation, not for working, you know. And so, you know, I began to feel more and more strange about this, because I bring Cheryl meetings and, you know, say she's my wife, and... And then, you know, it's like, you know, oh, I see, you, you came here on a vacation to Europe and you're, you're throwing a little business on it. It didn't sound serious, see. So, you know, it's kind of appearing like we were on our vacation just adding some business. That wasn't good. So I was thinking about this. So by the time we had dropped down into Italy and reached Milan, I had a plan. And so I said to Cheryl that uh, we have a problem. We have to stop the business people from thinking that I'm, well, I'm here on vacation with my wife, see. So I told Cheryl to not tell anyone that she was my wife. See, but instead she should say that she's my secretary. Okay? So <laughs> Cheryl says, "Okay." She gets her little notebook and her pen, and she comes to the first meeting as secretary here in Milan, Italy, and she's writing down everything, you know, in the meeting and all that. And the, Itali- <laughs> and the Italian businessmen they look at me and they smiled and they said. Oh, so she's your secretary, huh? <laughs> and I said, yes, she's my secretary. Then they smiled to me and they said, yes, we have secretaries like that. <laughs> and I realized what they were thinking. And so I said, no, 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 she's my wife. She's really my wife. And they said, huh. we have wives like that too. <laughs> so, and it became, I couldn't explain. I could, it was totally lost. It was very embarrassing. And I was very embarrassing for that. And afterward, Cheryl reminded me of Exodus 12. You know, she says, Well, you know, Abraham, same genes. (laughs) She said. (laughs) And then throughout the rest of the trip she used she would say, What's next, Abraham? So (laughs) Well, it's very embarrassing. Well, next week we'll continue with, with what did happen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much this morning for in spite of everything that happened to Abraham and his wrong decisions that you never turned away from him. And you just waited for Abraham to learn. Because that's who you are. You're a loving Heavenly Father who holds our hands through life and waits for us to return bruised and to come to you, ask for forgiveness, and be um, received again. Thank you so much, Lord, for these lessons that we, we read about here. In
0: Jesus' name, amen. What a great week of studying the Bible here with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. If you missed any of Tom Cantor's dynamic teaching this week, you can download all of his messages at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can listen to them while you're driving, on the go. If you missed this broadcast on the radio, they're all available there at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find them at iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. And we'd also like to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism outreach ministry with the Israel Restoration Ministries and our summer blitz that's evangelizing the Jewish people. If you'd like to have a part in supporting our radio ministry or our Jewish evangelism ministry, you can give a tax-free deductible donation by going to friendshipwithgod.org. Donate online at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. We've also been offering a 20-pack of full-color, four-fold gospel invitation tracks with an Old Testament presentation of the gospel showing the new covenant of Jesus Christ being the Jewish Messiah. If you want these 20 full-color tracks, you can call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God.